Hey everyone, welcome to episode two of the Bad Activist Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking all things activism, what activism means to each of us, and what a bad activist is as well. This episode is kindly sponsored by Ocean Bottle. Here at Bad Activist, we support both system and individual change, and a small way you can help is through Ocean Bottle. Did you know that 22 million kilograms of plastic float in our oceans on a daily basis? That's one truckload every minute. 80% of this plastic comes from a lack of waste management infrastructure. Ocean Bottle is turning the tap off at the source, thus stopping ocean plastic. Through the sale of every bottle, Ocean Bottle funds the collection of 1,000 plastic bottles in weight. Plastic collectors living in coastal communities around the world can then exchange plastic for other things they need and their families need. For example, microfinance, education, tech goods, healthcare, all that kind of stuff. From the sales of their bottles, Ocean Bottle currently funded the collection of over a million kilos of plastic. That's enough to go around the diameter of the planet 1.57 times, all by selling 100,000 bottles and counting. Getting one ocean bottle can lead to a big impact. Head to oceanbottle.co slash Tori to check them out. So guys, today we are exploring what is an activist and what it means to us. And I figured a pretty good place to start would be to look at the definition of an activist on Merriam-Webster Dictionary. (laughs) I'm going to be really basic. And according to Merriam-Webster, the definition of an activist is as such, one who advocates or practices activism, a person who uses or supports strong actions such as public protests in support of or opposition to one side of a controversial issue. Now, that is, of course, one of many, many definitions of an activist. Does anybody kind of want to add on to that definition or kind of refine it a bit to really tailor what the sort of conventional meaning of activism is? Yeah, I think that um, there's a bit lacking in the definition, especially since it sounds as though it's catering to people who have the privilege to go out into the streets and to Mm. protest and um, to approach government officials or to stand in front of important buildings. Not everyone has that privilege. So I think it kind of takes away from individuals who are doing things from a very disenfranchised space. Yeah, for sure. And I think the fact that we're in a pandemic and activism has still continued online is a testament to the fact that like it doesn't just revolve around public protests, even though direct action is traditionally a really effective way of campaigning for change. It's not the only form of campaigning for change. And I kind of wanted to ask, you know, each and every one of us to delve into what an activist means to us personally, because I feel like that's when we're really going to start to pick apart the term activist and really try and create a culture where we respect that an activist can be anything to anybody. To a certain degree, you make the rules. It doesn't need to look like a certain type of, you know, performance or a certain type of belief or action. It can encompass so many different things. You know, I'm happy to start this off, but for me, being an activist is something which is very much about taking a stand um, for something that I care about or a cause that, you know, needs uh, momentum behind it and campaigning for a world that is more just and equal. I think a lot of the time I'm quite anxious about the fact that there's a lot of gatekeeping as to what an activist is, who can be an activist, what activism looks like. And I find that 
you know, with passing time, I'm starting to shy away more from identifying as an activist, which is, you know, realistically, it's actually due to the stigma around identifying as an activist, because I just feel like there's so much gatekeeping and there's so many conversations that make me incredibly nervous, but I'm trying to lean in more and like own that term and, you know, say that being an activist for me also encompasses facilitating and organizing as well, because sometimes they can be seen as separate things. But yeah, I'd be curious to hear uh, what you guys think about activism and how you identify as an activist. Yeah, I, I really resonate with a lot of um, the things you said. I actually didn't feel comfortable at all calling myself an activist because of the gatekeeping that I experienced around that term. And it was actually you, Tori, who encouraged me to uh, do call myself an activist. For me, I really had this uh, very rigid idea of what an activist had to look like and, and the things that they did. And I'm all for redefining that, not just for myself, but for everybody, because I just think it's really sad when that specific projection of what activism is holds people back from supporting causes and fighting for a just and more equal world. And I think as such, uh, for me, it's definitely a journey um, in which my personal definition of what an activist is will probably continually uh, be changing. Also, with the times we are in now, we can see that we have shifted um, specifically in the public eye from seeing an activist as people who only go to the streets to digital activism being more at the forefront. Um, and of course, that's not the only types of actions and activism that is that is out there. And I think that's really important to recognize is that it can take so many different forms and there are so many different causes you can fight for. So what I think is really important for people is to really look at what they want to fight for and then look at what type of person they are and what kind of skills they have and how they can contribute that into um, their activism. So for me, that's definitely something I'm still trying to figure out. And, you know, that also might be changing as I am a human who's constantly growing. I also <laughs> learn new skills and I learn new things. So mm -hmm. it's, yeah, and maybe... As such, I also will gravitate more towards wanting to be an organizer. Um, so yeah, for me, it's very much a journey. Yeah, for sure. And I, what I really like that you just said there was that there are so many different roles and every single person has a role in a movement and not one role is more worth anything than others. And I think this, this is part of the gatekeeping, right? Is that everyone thinks that they have to be an activist in the streets with a megaphone yelling at the top of their lungs and organizing and like mobilizing people. And don't get me wrong, those folks definitely have a huge role to play in movements. But I feel like, yeah, all of these sort of quintessential images of what activists look like um, can be quite, yeah, alienating for a lot of people. And I mean, you know, I'd like to hear from you, Neil, because we spoke before about how like activism was something that like perhaps some of your peers were kind of like, oh, you're an activist now. Like, can you unpack that and, and kind of explain what your journey is? Yeah. So for me, calling myself an activist was a very, very difficult thing to do just because 
where I'm from. And I think from what I've seen on social media before becoming involved, I didn't know of black activists. I didn't know of people that looked like me or came from the area that I'm from who were involved in this kind of work. I knew individuals who, of course, worked in environmental causes or individuals who worked for um, renewable energy facilities or who worked in sustainable tourism. But I didn't know anyone that was calling themselves an activist in the Bahamas or on social media. So it was a very, very strange thing for me. And for a while, I struggled with it because I was like, okay, well, I definitely have something to say. I have a very specific point of view, but how am I an activist? You know, I, I don't have a society where um, we have staged demonstrations or people meet up for protests. That's not something I was ever familiar with. I've never been to a protest. I've never been to a strike or a sit-in or anything like that. So I'm just very confused at, at the beginning. And I'm like, well, Neil, are you an activist? Like, is that something that, that you really identify with? And then I had to unpack what it is to really be an activist. And it's it's all about the messaging and it's all about uh, the learning and wanting other people to learn. So I thought about it and I was like, yeah, I, I am an activist. You know, I, I am agitating for change in a way that's going to benefit the larger society. And I think that's the role of the activist. That's the role of the artist. That's the role of the change maker. We're the individuals that hold a mirror up to society and say, guys, this is what we're doing and this isn't good. So... That was the moment I became more comfortable calling myself that because, you know, the era of the activists, as we know it right now, is unique to us, um, especially during the pandemic. But activists of years past, um, whether they be civil rights activists or anyone in the Black Panther Party or women's suffrage um, activists, those are all activists and they were products of their time. So I, I think this is our time to redefine activism and make it make sense for our current social standing. Yeah, for sure. I love that. And I think another aspect of, you know, activism that perhaps people kind of lean away from is the fact that a lot of marginalized people take action due to their need to survive, because it's almost like a, I didn't choose to like, you know, be an quote unquote activist. I am just doing what it takes to survive. And I find it interesting that like, other people feel the need to ascribe labels to others being like, oh yeah, what you do is activism. But I think it is super, super personal. And I think that, you know, that you have to just respect how each person identifies, even if quintessentially what they do is quote unquote activism. Julia, I'd really like to hear from you because you briefly spoke to me about the difference between an activist and an organizer and like kind of going back to the roots of these terms. Um, and I really want to learn more because this is something that I'm kind of really interested about. And I think, yeah, it'd be really cool to hear your perspective. Yeah, I mean, it's super interesting because I feel like I've been seeing a lot of people lately um, who have been, especially on social media, like under a lot of pressure of of this kind of like perfectionism and taking on every issue and then being like, guys, I'm not an activist. And it's really interesting for me because I'm like, damn, I think activism is like pretty low hanging fruit. And um, and then last week I was uh, reading Mariam Kaba's new um, book, we do this till we free us. Um, she is an awesome abolitionist and organizer for transformative justice. And, you know, she had a whole piece in an interview where someone asked her about, you know, like, 
being called an activist. And she basically said, you know, that activist is really just someone who's taking action on a particular issue because it moves you in a particular way. And so, like, the only demand is that you personally take on that issue. So, like, then anything that you do that taking on that issue is activism. So, you know, you can be a writer and that can be activism. You can be signing petitions. You could be going to protests. You can be, like, talking to people. Like, in all of these little actions are activism. And then, therefore, like you're an activist. And so it's like this super broad umbrella term. Um, and and really like all that's necessary is like individual action. And then she was using that to kind of juxtapose with with an organizer. And so, you know, the difference is that, that organizers move in this really like strategic and goal oriented way. And you can't work by yourself because like, you know, when you're an organizer, you need to be organizing people. You need to be organizing like a movement. Um, and in this way, you're accountable to other people. You have this kind of like long-term strategy. And what I really, really loved is that, you know, in this, in this question, in this essay, she talked about the fact that she's been an organizer for a long part of her life, but that sometimes she's just an activist. And I was like, that is what makes sense to me, right? Because it's like, you're, you can't be organizing or be an organizer for every single issue out there. And so like, mm. it's this kind of balance between it. And so there's there's times when you're being just an activist and there's times when you're being an organizer and there's a times when you're doing both. And so, um, you know, I think about like, there are a lot of things that, that I do organizing around, especially like locally to campaign to defund and abolish the police and, you know, for reforms and abolition of the local jails in Cleveland where I live. And then I do a lot of kind of organizing around like um, food sovereignty, food security stuff. But then there's a lot of things that I like are, are issues that I moved on, but I'm not like deeply integrated in the movements and I'm just taking action on those and I'm an activist in those places. And, and I don't think there's like a good or a bad. It's just kind of understanding what what these things mean and what they look like. And so I think it's interesting because I feel like in some ways, yeah, like I said, like activism is just really this baseline. Um, but the problem I think with that is that if our activism doesn't lead into organizing, then we're not actually pushing for long-term sustainable change. And then the other thing is that it, that's where it gets really overwhelming, right? Because you're not connecting with other people. And then you're like, I'm one human who needs to take on all of these issues by myself. And I think that's where, where you drown <laughs> because it's not possible. Um, and yeah, so I guess that's my that's my little personal, I don't know if it's a personal definition, that's a definition that I have been working through. Um, and, and yeah. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I relate to a very large degree with like having different aspects of uh, stuff that I do, which may be more aligned with activism versus organizing, uh, you know, I've worked within the organizing space here in Bristol, but actually more recently, I'd say in the last year, two years or so, I've been doing more uh, cross-national organizing with different groups, which is how I met Kishona, Neil, uh, and actually how I met you, Julia, through all of these different series of events. And yeah, I, I definitely agree with you that, you know, collective action is something that needs to be uh, the end goal, as it were, to drive change. But I also feel like some people might affiliate or associate the word activist with organizing as well. And I, I can definitely see that in some of the spaces that I occupy and some of the people that I meet along the way. Yeah, I feel like for me, it makes sense that like all organizers are activists, but not all activists mm. are organizers. And I feel like that's, yeah. that's what yeah. I, I always, that's how I think about it. Yeah, for sure. I like that. And, you know, it kind of, makes me think a little bit because you were 
you were saying that it is a lot to take on, right? If one activist were to take on the responsibilities and the roles of, of organizing, you know, it's, it's all about people power. And that's the thing that I think makes people want to shy away from identifying as an activist or identifying with activist spheres is that they feel that they have to be perfect, which is like, you know, a great point to to raise with regards to why Bad Activist was created. Well, and one thing I think about that too is like, I feel like the way that we think about and talk about activism has changed a lot, especially because there's so much kind of like celebrity activism. And we see these like super influential figures who have millions of followers and have like a huge platform and this huge voice. And then therefore like we, I think there's this like public ascribing of like celebritydom and like celebritydom. I don't know if that's a word. <laughs> and like sainthood and like that they have to be this person who takes on everything and like is in one person embodying an entire movement or entire like vision for change. And that's just not possible. And so like, mm. I think that that's also part of it is like, how have we just like completely skewed it that we're saying like this one person is then responsible for like all of our emotions or feelings towards a particular issue. And then that's like just a burden. Who can hold that? Like no one can hold that. <laughs> I agree. It's, it's so crazy because um, you think about it, and these, um, I guess they can be like cults of personality. They they are so powerful, you know, in their their movement. It's like um, people joke about it all the time on Twitter. They joke about how um, Kendall Jenner cured racism because she gave her the Pepsi. And so it was like, it's that kind of idea that people take and they make fun of activism because it's, it's a lot of... Um, celebrity status that that's ascribed to it so like, that was a part of the reason i didn't feel like i had enough reach to be calling myself an activist i'm like okay your platform is pretty small you don't know anybody um you're not doing paid partnerships uh you know so it's like at what point did we cross the line from um i guess visibility into straight up marketing as activists so it's it's one of those things for me that kind of keeps me a little bit on the outskirts because at the end of the day, I don't want to be an authority figure for anyone but myself. And I don't want to be um, revered for my work in terms of me as a person. I would like the work to be revered and I would like the work to speak for what it is that we're trying to accomplish. But I, I don't like the idea of me becoming a celebrity because I'm saying black people, queer people, women, especially women of color are entitled to basic rights. Like. <laughs> That's not groundbreaking for me. I just feel like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a hard place to be in. You know, contrary to um, something that you mentioned about, like, you know, like you have to have, for instance, in the social media space, have a certain number of followers and like people revering you and stuff. There's also the, the converse of that where, you know, I at least maybe I'm internalizing a lot of this myself and these are my thoughts. I actually think that the more followers you have or the more you kind of doing like, marketing or paid partnerships or like you know invited to do these these things that only boost your public image i'm like doesn't that like 
um, internalizing it by going, doesn't that kind of strip away from like the radical like root cause of why we do activism for it not to be commodified, for it not to be, you know, turned into celebrity culture, for it not to exist in a social media space for likes and clout and all of that kind of stuff. And like, I'm constantly berating myself being like, oh, I hate Instagram. I don't want to exist in the space. Like I care about these causes so deeply. And I actually think that it potentially might undermine my work and all of this stuff. But I think that's also a lot of internalized criticism against the term activism and and also just thinking that it has to look a certain way. I think perhaps, you know, while, yeah, it's not everyone's, or at least not everyone who identifies as an activist has to take on so much and be responsible for all of these things. But I do catch myself thinking, okay, I have a larger than average platform what can I do to make sure that I am redistributing uh, some of the attention, some of the opportunities, some of the, you know, uh, different things that I benefit from to other activists who do not necessarily have the same privileges that I do as a result of the fact that I exist in a space uh, like Instagram with a few followers, you know? So I think it's such a nuanced thing, but I also completely agree with you that like, it's super, super valid to be like, I don't want to be revered for standing up for basic human rights. You know what I mean? Like, this shouldn't be a trend. This shouldn't be something that makes somebody like, you know, a celebrity or anything in many ways. I just think it's it's being a decent human and caring about other people. Um, but yeah. I feel like what you just described is really the same vibes as like, um the husband who has done the dishes once and is like applaud me applaud me (laughs) you know and the wife is on the floor (laughs) yeah the wife goes around to her friends like oh yeah he's so nice he like did the dishes once it's amazing and it's like do not congratulate fish for swimming exactly it's like the same energy But also Um, if that fish does have like a bruised fin and like was afraid of swimming because it had like aquaphobia (laughs) or something, then I'd kind of be like, yeah, fishy, go. (laughs) Um, Having nuanced. (laughs) No, but this is the thing, right? This is why I love the space that we've carved out, Bad Activist, because it, you know, dismantles the idea of perfectionism. But also strives for accountability because we can't always be like, oh, no, everyone's activism is valid because don't get me wrong. If you say you care about women's rights, but and you have the privilege to perhaps, you know, advocate for uh, more sustainable practices, but you feed into like the fast fashion industry, should we not kind of be like, hey, you know, uh, women's rights also extends beyond just being a white woman, for instance. It also extends to like women of color who are being affected by the industries that you support. Just an example. So Julie, I kind of want to like go back to our roots of what bad activist means and like why it's important to make sure that in the context of activism, we're also striving for accountability whilst dismantling perfectionism. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's like exactly what we, what we try to create and what we our goal of is like with bad activists and with using that term is right like it's like imperfect but accountable and mindful and not just using imperfection as a way to like bulldoze over people um but really learning and like doing our research and being open um you know when we're called out or called in um or corrected but but understanding that like we're all on a journey that's like a different space Mm -hmm. and and for me also i think this this process of being a bad activist has also really made me 
step back and like try to be soft and forgiving to like your past self, which is like something I struggle with all the time. You know, like everyone on the planet has caused harm, you know, like we all have to be accountable to that. Um, But also like, you know, look and see where we've like learned and grown along that process. You know, like I, I was super fortunate that like, I kind of went through my radicalization process surrounded by really amazing people that I was directed like really quickly, like, oh, okay, white feminism, whack, like white supremacy <laughs> in environmental spaces, like super whack. And so so I was really fortunate to be around those things that I wasn't like deeply ingrained in those in those movements for for very long. Um, but but I think I look at myself back at like two years ago and I'm like, damn, she knew nothing. And I'm sure that like you know, a year or two down the line, I'm going to look back and just like laugh at, at me thinking I knew anything at this moment. Um, but that's the process. And, you know, like that's that's what we're here for. And that's what we strive for. I feel you. Who else can relate to that? Who else <laughs> looks back on their old self and goes, lol, <laughs> a little tear. I'm laughing at my current self. <laughs> yeah. I'm literally <laughs> laughing at my current self every day. You wake up, Neil wakes up, looks in the mirror and just starts laughing. <laughs> and then it turns into a cry, you know. It's like one of those laughs and then it's a cry. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, oh, oh my God. So you are happy. a joke of a human. No, I do that. And you know what? Like, I, I'm sure y'all can relate to this to some degree. I feel like most activists self-loathe a lot because of this internalized perfectionism, because we feel like we need to be doing more, we're not doing enough, we're not doing it right. And like, there's there's a lot of imposter syndrome and inadequacy. And like, the second you start talking about it, you realize everyone else feels the same. Yeah, yeah I think for me, part of um, the meaning of bad activist is also kind of trying to redefine for yourself how to be a part of a movement for the longer term, just like like an organizer and realizing that that means that you can't just um, go really hard and then burn out and be like, okay, let's do it again. Like you have to space out your energy and also to the fact that you feel like you're not being perfect. Just what I just personally feel, and that's why I'm saying it again, is just trying to figure out what your, what your role is and where you feel comfortable. And that's not something that's stagnant. That's also something that changes along the way. And I'm hoping that that can help people also feel more empowered and, and try to let go of some of this internalized perfectionism. And, and something also is like, I, but I feel like it has to go hand in hand, right? Like it has to be like dismantling perfectionism, but then being like a really, really, really like radical listener and like really being there to be learning and like, and wanting to always be pushing that further. And and I think it's really interesting, especially like for me as a white woman that like, I feel like a lot of like white feminist girl boss spaces are like, oh my God, like, like you need to speak up, take more space, like take this room. But then at the same time, it's like, okay, like sure, when you're like fighting patriarchal structures, like don't be quiet, like you need to uh, take up space. But there's also times when you don't need to take up space when like you're bulldozing over other mm. people. And that's when you need to learn to like sit back and shut the fuck up. And so I feel like it's also like, it's this it's yes. this process of learning. Like when do we step up? When do we talk? When do we step back and be like, okay, we're not supposed to be leading this, you know? Um, and And so, yeah, I feel like that's also like this process is being like, really, really listening, learning, yeah. and and knowing where that space is and that line is. I agree. I agree. Um, something you said really stood out to me, Julia. You're, you're white? You're a white woman? <laughs> yes! Can you, can you leave the room? 
No. Uh, well, actually, a woman is like asterisk, you know. We, we, we're going to go into gender later, but. You know. <laughs> I love that. But, but you're white. Wow. All this time. <laughs> wow. We love you, Julia. And to okay. our white women listeners, we love you too. You're part of this space. Too. Like, lean y'all. in, you know? Like, lean in, but also look around you. <laughs> lean in, but lean out of the girl boss fucked white <laughs> feminism. <laughs> I feel like we need to have a whole episode on girl boss feminism. Yeah, I think you're so. like, Tori, you're like, lean in. I'm like, no, 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 don't lean in. Lean, lean in, out. but lean out. Lean in and out. Lean into anti-racism. Yes, lean in to listen. Lean out to not speak on behalf of anyone. It's a bit of a dance move. (laughs) Yeah, you just just give it a shoulder rock. What song is that again? The Hokey Pokey. Yeah, is it Soldier Boy? Like, lean back. Lean back. Wow. Okay, Soldier Boy and Hokey Pokey were both really relevant in that in that moment. Nuance. The fact that you guys went to totally different places really brings me joy. The fact that I'm the black person and I said Hokey Pokey. <laughs> I was like, hip hop? What? Nursery rhymes, definitely, certainly. I feel like this could be a, some form of action or campaign that we take at these like yeah, girl boss absolutely. feminism spaces, you know? Just. Blast that yeah. soldier boy. Blast that hokey pokey. Yeah. I've seen a campaign of like all these white women making videos. They're going like lean back. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> offbeat, of course. Oh, oh my god. Oh. Wow. But I said that because um because the the stuff that uh, Julia has been interested in and has put me on to and has shared with bad activists as a collective. I mean they've been so um beyond the scope of white activism, white white feminism. It's just like like she said, it's it's come from a place of being farther along the line now than she was um two years ago. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's like Julia, are you still white? Like are you allowed to be white at this point? <laughs> yeah, I feel like yes, Julia's so white. <laughs> <laughs> Julia's like one of our most radical yes. <laughs> collective right. members. I learn more from Julia than I do from my own readings. Like, right? Definitely, 100%. 100%. Y'all, y'all are sweet, but at the same time, like, I feel like, I feel like people say that, like, you know, like, there's a thing that's like, oh my God, like, so radical, but at the same time, like, I'll always be white. Like, whiteness will always be part of what it, what I do mm-hmm. and who I am. And, like, and something that's also really interesting is I was having a conversation a while ago about, like, the fact that at this point, like, I'm a voluntary person in all the movements that I'm in and I could decide one day to give it up and like marry a straight white dude and like white picket fence and like minus a couple of tattoos Girl, and you like could not. lots of you old things. Never. I, okay, no, I'm not <laughs> saying me as a If that is what happens, <laughs> Julia's dead. Okay, I'm not saying me as a person. I'm just saying like like I can leave and I'm I would still be benefited. Yes, like you know, yeah, in that way course. I could I could opt into whiteness at any time. Exactly. That I want, you you know? can't separate yourself from your whiteness, much like I can't separate myself from my proximity to whiteness as a mixed woman. Like I definitely have a lot of privileges in some way, and that's something that I can never, you know, like as much as I you know, want to be more in tune with my Asian heritage. I'm still half white. Like I can't I can't like just like skin myself, you know, and be like, guys, I'm Asian. You know, it's not gonna work like that. 
Um, and I think that <laughs> it also- definitely won't work for me because I also don't have the skin tone, so I cannot be like, no, guys, look at me. I'm actually half black. <laughs> I'm just like, no, girl. <laughs> No. <laughs> yeah, it's it's such a nuanced thing, right? And um, whiteness is definitely, like, it's more than just, you know, the way that individual people look. It's, like, part of society as well, part of these systems. This, ep- this episode is blowing my mind because yeah, I know, it's just I've now to- realized that I'm the only real minority here. <laughs> I knew you were going to. You are imposters. You're imposters. We're fake activists. This was a game of Among Us all along. You lost. I'm sorry. There's one more thing I wanted to say. Um, okay, I don't know white girl. How, how we w- Lean in. Is that, you know, like, I feel like every time uh, we're, like, on on any time of like listening to panels or listening to discussions, people are always like, what gives you hope? And like, what keeps your activism like moving forward? And I was really thinking about this the other day that like, honestly, what gives me hope is just that like, literally everything is made up, right? Like mm. race, money, borders, gender, like beauty, police, prisons, laws, governments, like education requirements, like literally it's all made up. And I'm not saying that it doesn't like have real material impacts on people's lives, but it's just that like someone or a group of people had to envision this and make it happen. Like the world we're living in, like nothing's inevitable. Like it all Mm. had to be thought of like and put in place. And so, you know, while of course we got lots of power structures we have to deal with, but like it is possible that like to envision something else, right? Like it's like we we drew ourselves into this world. Like why can't we do that to something else? And so I think that that's like something that I'm always like grounding in is that like our activism, our organizing, it's not temporary and it's not just like running after like Band-Aid solutions to, to symptoms. It's like grounded in that like, we want to burn it all down and build yes. something like completely new. Um, and so, yeah, so that's the like, last thing that I was thinking about, like as a bad activist, like for me that I'm always like wanting to be grounded in that mm. is that like, we're not running around like chickens with their head cut off on like all these issues of being like, it's all coming down to like really just a co- couple of core power structures in, um, in our world and like, fuck it, we're going to change it all. Yes. To me, that sounds like also there's, this spiritual aspect to it, like the idea of, or not like the idea, but technically nothing fucking matters. And at the same time, everything matters. Yes. Um, And that kind of, I feel like that is something we need so bad to include a lot more. And I know a lot of folks are doing this, especially a lot of uh, folks of color are finding really hard to add in this aspect of spirituality and I just want to say I'm so here for it and I think that's really really important and I love that this came through in the last part of of the podcast episode oh folks what a beautiful way to wrap this up that was I know so it's so precious so precious <laughs> now lean out Julia's just like breathing into the microphone at this point <laughs> amazing all right everyone so that's episode two of the bad activist podcast thank you so much for listening once again this episode was kindly sponsored by ocean bottle remember that they're doing amazing work so any purchase goes towards an amazing cause you can find us on instagram at bad activist collective also visit our website and always 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 listen to the podcast because we're great people thank you for listening bye ciao